What's up, Cyber and Crypto friends? What's going on, y'all? Today is Friday, January the 31st of 2020. This is episode 101 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. All right, so there's been a lot of fun stuff that's happened over the last week or so, and we'll dive into a lot of cool topics here. So today I want to talk a little bit about cracking Active Directory passwords uh, using data breach uh, lists of passwords. So we'll talk about that a little bit and some of the things you can do and why you'd want to do something like that. We're also going to talk about the coal fire employees that were arrested during a pen test and some recent news about those two guys. So we'll talk about that. There are various privacy-related topics that we'll dive into relating to uh, Apple and Facebook. So we'll touch on those as well. Also going to talk about the the UK's National Health Service and uh, some <laughs> very scary statistics with the way that they uh, handle their IT. So we'll talk about them as well. And we'll briefly touch on some drones that the U.S. was using from China and what they decided they needed to do with those drones before they send them back up in the air. We'll also touch briefly on Proton Mail and what's happening with them in Russia. We'll also talk about Trello and their data breach. And last thing in cyber, we'll talk about all the Twitter accounts uh, that got hacked recently right before the Super Bowl here. All right, on the crypto side of things, I do want to talk a little bit about various futures trading and uh, margin trading sites out there like BitMEX, uh, Derbit is another one, and Bitfinex is another one. So talk a little bit about those, uh, what the differences are between them and uh, which one I found to kind of be the easiest to use out of those. So we'll touch on that for cryptocurrency. We're also, of course, going to talk about the Bitcoin prices, some of the stuff that's going on there. Some of the uh, bigger news in crypto is about the, it's called Trezor, Trezor Hardware Wallets, T-R-E-Z-O-R, Trezor. I always want to say Razor, but Trezor. Hardware wallets. Well, those guys, guess what? There is a pretty big vulnerability with that hardware. And that just came out Apparently, Kraken and their security labs team are the ones that figured this out. So we'll talk about that a lot as well. All right. So we will start in the cybersecurity realm. And if you're on Twitter, I'm sure that you saw some of these happening in real time. But all the various NFL uh, football teams' Twitter accounts were getting taken over and hacked. I even saw ESPNs get taken over, <laughs> so uh, it's been a mess on Twitter there. I believe there was more than 15 or so of these teams that had their Twitter accounts hacked. It was it was pretty bad, and apparently it's a, a Saudi uh, white hat hacker group, apparently. They're calling themselves Our Mine. Anyway, I thought that was pretty funny as well. Uh, quite a few teams there affected by that, and I even saw ESPNs. Uh, happen pretty much in real time. It shocks me that big, huge, massive corporations like NFL teams don't use two-factor on their Twitter accounts. Oh, man, it's mind-boggling. ESPN, too. I mean, come on, guys. 
that would have stopped all of this if they had two-factor on there. Anyway, that was crazy stuff there. Uh, there was some other, uh, some one more quick thing here on some medical manufacturers over in the UK. Uh, apparently, a couple of these manufacturers had to shut their plant down because of a, uh, a breach and basically just went out of business. So we're seeing a lot more of that kind of stuff happen uh, where these folks will get ransomware and they can't pay the ransom or don't want to pay the ransom and they end up not being able to recover their data and therefore cannot continue running their business. Uh, so there's yet another one there. There's also some some various privacy articles out this week. Uh, one of them in particular that caught my eye was about all the various CEOs that are now deleting their, their social media accounts and their Facebook accounts to protect themselves from hackers. And I think I said this a few weeks ago, that's that's something that everybody that's higher up in a company should really start thinking about because you know, I, I can tell you so many of the, the customers that I've worked with, the CEOs of their companies are typically on Facebook. And what I've also found is that a lot of those don't even make their Facebook profile private. That's what's really scary there because, I mean, the <laughs> hackers have been known to go and pull uh, various pictures of the CEO's vacation and whatnot and use that against them and tell the employees, hey, I'm on vacation. Here's a picture. I need you to wire me some money. So it's good to see this is kind of a new trend. We'll see if it continues, of course, but I think to really protect yourself this day and age, especially if you're way up the food chain at a business, you really need to be off of Facebook uh, and really a lot of other social media platforms unless you can remain anonymous. Like Twitter, you can remain anonymous. So that's fine. But uh, Facebook, yeah, not so much. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was pretty pretty interesting there as well. And speaking of Facebook... If you haven't seen this already, I would highly recommend going out there and checking it out. But Facebook recently rolled out a tool to globally clear all third-party data. So basically, everything that they've collected about you, they're calling it off-Facebook activity. So basically, you can go out there, go to this off-Facebook activity. It'll show you all the things that they've collected based on your off-Facebook activity. And you can now go out there and officially delete it. The other kind of cool part of that as well is you can actually set it to no longer collect that type of data on you at all moving forward. So highly recommend going out to your Facebook account and make sure that you clear that and then prevent it from storing all that kind of information about you moving forward. But there was, I went into to mine and there was so much in there. Oh man, it's, it's scary to see it. I hate having a Facebook account, but unfortunately I'm forced to. But nonetheless, I went out there and looked at all the things that they were collecting in there. And I was like, man, this is, I, I didn't even know half of this stuff existed, but apparently they shared my data somehow with all these various third-party companies. So it's it's very eye-opening to go out there and look at those. So sift through them a little bit first, and then, of course, make sure that you clear it. And some news that just came out today, more privacy-related stuff. State of Wisconsin is now coming out with their own privacy bill. This was literally just published earlier today. So that'll be interesting to see what that looks like once it's official. But more and more states are now starting to, to join in the CCPA. 
So it's going to be loads of fun. <laughs> uh, some other privacy-related stuff. Facebook apparently agreed to pay $550 million to end uh, a uh, facial recognition tech lawsuit. So you know how when you get tagged in a picture, it can Facebook basically says, this looks like it's you. You know, tag your friend, or this looks like your friend, tag your friend. So there's a whole bunch of privacy issues, of course, related to that. And, and of course, there's a massive lawsuit, and here goes Facebook paying $550 million to end that lawsuit. And some other quick privacy news. Apple has been releasing various updates to iOS, and Apple's actually trying to help prevent more of the device tracking. Previously, you used to be able to see pretty much everywhere you go, uh, with an Apple device, Apple phone. But uh, apparently Apple is really starting to take it seriously. And these latest releases and patches that they're coming out with for iOS are actually helping you remain more private and not track your phone everywhere you go. So kudos to them for that. But if you haven't gotten the most up-to-date patches, I would highly recommend that you do get those patches on your iPhone and then go look in, in the privacy settings and see what else you've got for you know, location privacy. All right, some other news here. A while back, a couple of guys from the company called Coal Fire, uh, they were doing a pen test, and it was for a courthouse, I want to say, uh, or a city or whatever it was, and they were uh, doing a physical pen test at the courthouse. Of course, alarms went off, police came. Police actually arrested them and charged them with felony burglary charges, and just today, we found out that those charges have finally been dropped for those two guys. Wow, that took forever. That was like months and months and months ago. And these poor guys have been on trial and fighting this thing. And, you know, various companies and CEOs have come out and spoken out against this kind of thing. And why are we charging these guys with burglary when they were paid to do it? And so now we're finally seeing that those charges were officially dropped. So huge relief for those guys, I'm sure. But it's a good win also for all the other pen testers out there because if you're doing that kind of pen testing, physical pen testing, and you see that thing kind of happen, it's like, oh, man, <laughs> what's next? So it's good to see that uh, those charges were finally dropped. All right, some other news here about the, the UK's National Health Service. This is crazy, just a statistic that I saw on them. Uh, they got hit with WannaCry uh, back in 2017, and apparently they've had six ransomware attacks since 2017. Six? <laughs> How does that happen? How do you get six ransomware attacks since 2017? Oh my gosh, man. You'd think that they would figure it out at some point, uh, but man... The UK's National Health Service apparently has not figured out what an email is that is malicious. So uh, maybe uh, a vendor out there that's got some sort of spam filtering or or uh, malware filtering or anything like that can call these folks and, and help them out. And maybe they just need better endpoint protection too. So I guess it could be a, a myriad of things that they need there. It's a good business opportunity for somebody though. <laughs> All right, there's some other quick news here too about the... U.S. Department of the Interior. I love these names, too. The Department of the Interior? Interior of where, exactly? Anyway, they were basically grounded a whole bunch of drones because now all of a sudden there's some cybersecurity concerns with these drones because they were made in China. 
So I'm not sure exactly what sparked those concerns, but I think more and more things that we see that are made in China, which is interesting too, because pretty much all of our electronics are made in China or in Asia somewhere. So to see that they're shutting down these drones just for this one specific thing, it leads me to believe they must have found or heard or or saw something that was basically something that sparked all this. So they've recently grounded all those non-emergency drones. All right, some other news here about Proton Mail. I'm a big fan of Proton Mail for end-to-end encrypted email. Well, the other day they came out and said that the Russian government has blocked Proton Mail and Proton VPN if you're in Russia. So apparently Proton Mail has been reaching out to them and trying to figure out how they can get that block lifted, but I thought that was interesting. I don't know what the what the cause for that block was, but certainly crazy there and, and horrible for privacy if you live in Russia. And last news article in cybersecurity, Trello. I've never really used Trello, but apparently it's it's quite popular. It's pretty much used for to-do lists and coordinating team tasks and you can you can probably call that kind of project management kind of stuff. But Apparently Trello is is used quite a bit, but apparently this is is nothing new. Apparently there's what they call boards that you can make in Trello, and apparently various companies have like an HR onboarding Trello board that was publicly available. <laughs> oh man, that's just only one example there too, but there's all kinds of other Trello boards out there that were just wide open to the public. And serving up all kinds of juicy information about people. So what does that mean? Well, guess what? If that all, all that data is out there public, somebody could go out there and scrape all of that data and get all of that PII and whatever else is out there on those pages. And away you go. So that is that is pretty nasty stuff there. But apparently also it's it's the fault of whoever's creating that Trello board. So Trello is saying... Now, they can point a finger back at the end user, but why would they allow it to be completely publicly accessible, and why not only restrict it to the people that are in a specific company? Like, hey, if you're logging into this specific account, then yeah, you can see this Trello board. Otherwise, you cannot. So anyway, there was obviously massive amounts of data that were scraped because of those public boards and Yikes. So if you use Trello, you might want to be careful with those public boards. Don't make them completely public because that could get ugly. All right, kind of sidebar topic today in cybersecurity. Recently had an idea of cracking Active Directory passwords using only data breach passwords. So I essentially went out and collected all of the passwords that I possibly could from all the various data breaches that I could find. It was a royal pain in the rear to combine all of them, but I had about 250 gigs worth of just passwords. And we were able to, of course, take that password list. We had it on a big USB drive and run that against the hashes in an Active Directory domain and see what we can crack. And the numbers were quite staggering. It ended up being about 10% of the user base at this one particular client that we were at. So 10% of the user base using a breached password is is certainly not good. Uh, it was actually a little over 10%, but man, that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty scary stuff. That's, that's a wide open gaping hole there that those 10% probably don't even realize. And that's what's really scary. And 
you know, if you have any systems that are available externally and this breached password is used by an employee, well, guess what? It don't, it's only a matter of time. So anyway, we ran through that exercise. It was quite eye-opening. And uh, even a bunch of, you know, higher-ups at the company were also getting exposed for their horrible passwords too. So anyway, that's a fun exercise to do if you can get sign-off uh, from executives and whatnot. And I think it's really good because you have to you have to sell it, right? You have to sell it as, you know, why are we doing this? Well, guess what? If your password is out there in a public data breach somewhere, all we have to do is go grab that password and try to log in to your accounts. And we can get in just fine. And we don't have to sit there and guess your password. It's already there ready for us. So the win-win there is to change the password. That way, whatever password's out there in some data breach doesn't affect your business. It's not going to affect how, hey, let's we got the CEO's password. Let's go ahead and log into his account. That kind of stuff would not happen as long as we change your password and ensure that it's not found in one of those databases. So that is an exercise that uh, actually we're going to start going through a lot more with various clients. And I think it's going to be good, really, really good, really eye-opening for everybody to see, you know, exactly how many people reuse the same password that was in, you know, a massive data breach somewhere. So anyway, a cool idea if you can get sign-off from executive management to do that kind of thing. Certainly eye-opening. All right. How about that Bitcoin, huh? Man, we're doing pretty good. We bounced around all the way up to 9,400 the other day, and that looked pretty tasty. And right now we're at uh, 93.95, so right around the same price. And we're still traveling upward, so that's good. We made a couple of quick dips down to 9,200, I believe all the way down to 9,100 at one point. But we pretty quickly came right back up to 9,400 for Bitcoin. So that's good, and because Bitcoin is up, all of the other altcoins are also going up. So Ethereum's at 181, Ripple's at 24 cents. Litecoin made a huge jump too. They were up over like 14% in the last day or two. They're up to 68 bucks. So huge jumps in some of those altcoins, and that's certainly good to see. All right, so let's talk about this uh, hardware wallet issue, and... So Kraken Security Labs was able to find this in the Trezor, 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 however you say it, T-R-E-Z-O-R hardware wallet. And of course, you know, this just goes to show that there's nothing that's 100% safe at all. Now, of course, these types of flaws have to be exploited with physical access, right? So that's kind of the the biggest thing there is you have to somehow physically get this device from someone. So that, I guess, is good. You can think of that as being a, a good thing. But nonetheless, there is a, a pretty big vulnerability that it, it essentially cannot be patched with software. They have to literally release a whole new device. So don't go try to look for a patch because it's not going to help. They have to completely redo their hardware. So essentially, this flaw or vulnerability allowed hackers to extract seeds uh, from that hardware wallet in about 15 minutes. So, man, that's uh, that's tough. That's really tough to see that kind of thing. But what are you going to do if you have one of those wallets? Be very, very careful with who has access to it because apparently now you can easily pull those seeds out of that wallet and crack into all your crypto that you got on there. And apparently... 
they've been aware of this vulnerability since designing the products, which is really, that's terrible if they're still just going along with designing this, knowing that there's this massive vulnerability with it. So some people are claiming that they knew about it this entire time. So apparently Kraken detailed this vulnerability to them back in 2019, October 2019, and they just continued on apparently. So, wow. And so their 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 biggest response to that was, well, you can't do this remotely. Well, yeah, duh, but still, nonetheless, this is supposed to be a badass hardware wallet, but... Well, guess what? Somebody, If somebody gets physical access, they can jack all your crypto. So anyway, that was pretty big news there. But kudos to the uh, Kraken Security Labs, guys. That's pretty slick. All right, I also wanted to briefly touch on the various futures trading options and margin trading platforms out there. If you don't get into that kind of stuff, this might be a little boring. But just want to kind of give my two cents on a few of these. And hopefully that helps somebody if they're going to you know, start looking at one of these services. But I've, I was primarily using BitMEX. And a while back, BitMEX got hacked. So I kind of fell out of love with BitMEX. Uh, the other issue there, too, with BitMEX is you cannot access the, their site and log into their site from the United States. So you have to get on a VPN and then sign up for an account and access their site that way. So I recently switched over to Derbit. Derbit has been pretty awesome, I have to say. They even have an app for the phone. It is pretty slick. Also tried out Bitfinex. I like that one too, but I, I have to say that I like Derbit just a little bit more. I really don't know why. I think it's just the interface more than anything, but Derbit was pretty slick. So as of right now, I've been using Derbit. been really happy with it. Uh, I'm starting to learn a lot more about um, how to hold these positions for a long amount of time and still make money. So apparently if you just hold these positions, Derbit or BitMEX or whoever will actually pay you those dividends as you're uh, holding that crypto. So that's kind of cool. But anyway, if you're looking to get into the margin trading game, I would recommend Bitfinex or Derbit preferably. I've been liking Derbit quite a bit there. So if you're into that kind of thing, go check it out. I would be very cautious if you don't know anything about how to do it. Uh, be really, really careful and don't put a whole lot of money out there if you're just trying to learn. You know, put 20 bucks out there and, and tinker around before you go putting thousands of bucks out there. And of course, if you do put thousands of dollars out there, make sure you got two-factor on those accounts. Uh, BitMEX was hacked. That was massive. Could have been a lot worse. And I'm sure you can imagine how many millions of dollars was out there exposed in BitMEX and how many of those millions of dollars probably didn't even have two-factor on them. So anyway, make sure you set up two-factor everywhere you can. All right, folks, that's all I got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon.